Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 43 of the Restricted Zone podcast. Uh, it's going to be plenty of basketball, a lot of topics around the college basketball with this, with this new law, allowing athletes to, you know, get their own what type of income or profit they can receive, and also about the Shakari uh, Richardson situation in this episode. So I'm, we're going to jump into that with my fellow usual co-host, Chris. Introduce yourself, man. What's going on, y'all? How's everybody doing today? Uh, Jamar, introduce yourself, man. What's up, Colin? Thanks for having me today. What's going on? And Greg, introduce yourself, man. Shaking. What's bacon? What's really bacon? <laughs> God bless. I got you. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to hand it over to my, my fellow host, Chris. Take over, man. Yeah, you just forgot about me, huh, Colin? Oh, Kyrie. No, I could have sw- See, I don't see a name popping up. <laughs> so, like, Yeah, don't forget Kyrie, man. Everyone is a great part of, of the whole podcast. So, Chris, go ahead and take over, man. All right, y'all. So, as y'all all know, this summer in about a month, we're going to get the Olympics underway, Summer Olympics. Personally, one of my favorite events to watch, but not so much this year because of some news that's come out. So I know y'all know about the LSU track runner Shakiri Richardson, probably the fastest woman in America. But <laughs> for, like I said, she's probably the fastest woman in America. But the issue is now she can't run her 100 relay meter now because of a little weed incident because she felt a drug test for weed. So with that being said, I want to start off with Greg. Uh, what do you think this means for – just the Olympics committee in general that they ban somebody just for smoking weed. Um, I think it's just like an outdated. I just think it's just another reminder of just so many outdated systems, so many like outdated like um, outdated like uh, rules and regulations that still govern sports that need to be updated. Concerning the fact that she like uh, that she she carry like really was in a situation where she smoked weed in a state where le- weed is, is legalized, but, but because she, because she smoked it, like went against the, uh, what is it? The track and field, I guess, rules and regulations. So she got suspended. Like, I think as laws throughout the country update, why not update the rules and regulations that govern the um, like track and field? So I just think it's like kind of like BS on, on uh, for lack of a better word, I think it's kind of like BS that they kind of like think that their rules can remain the same while just like, that's not how it works in the world. Um, yeah, I just think she went through so much and like, I'm from a, for, forget about even like, if you want to be like hard on her because yes, she did break the rules. Like also like, how can you not have a heart when you find out that your biological mom dies from a reporter asking you a question? And like, what do what do you do? I think her message that like she's human, like we're all human, and like she respond that, and she decided to like handle that situation by taking essentially taking uh, smoking weed in the state where weed is legalized. You know what I'm saying? And it just went against the rules. So I don't know. I just I just think it's like a lot to consider. But I think you should take there should be special circumstances. And I feel like this is such a special circumstance that like, it's not like they, then they should take that into consideration. 
Okay. I like what I heard from that. So now I want to go over to Colin. Uh, so Colin, I want to get your thoughts on this. But after you answer that, I want you to also answer me this. Do you think you even watch the Olympics this year because of what they did to her? Uh, honestly, speaking, so I want to answer the first question that kind of ties into the second one. So obviously for her, I think when we all got the news, I think we all thought, oh, man, was this some performance enhancement type of drug? You know, like and that really would have ruined whatever legacy or whatever she built up prior to that. Thankfully, well, not thankfully, because it got her in a bad situation. It was just weed, just marijuana. Now, you got to look at it from both sides, you know, of the perspective. So, of course, as an athlete, I think you're, Chris, you're an athlete. You know, you could tell me, I think discipline is something that's really been held accountable. It's really high standard for athletes. Like, you got to have discipline in order to achieve greatness. Not to say she hasn't achieved greatness or she has it. It's just discipline is just a key thing that you kind of get installed as an athlete, regardless of what sport you play. So with that being said, and then, you know, the rules is always made clear beforehand, not to sit there and say, you know, she should have, like, it's a 50-50 type of thing. So the rules, you're not put to put any type of drug inside your body, at, no matter what it is, before, especially a big race like the Olympics, so you're participating in it. And then at the same time, marijuana, you know, it's, it's just weed. It's not enhancing her speed. It's not giving her groundbreaking flash. So it's kind of like I could see the anger on that end. And then a lot of people are trying to compare it to the Michael Phelps situation. But a lot of people are just looking at the service of it and got to look underneath it is he lost endorsements. And like, as, at least as far as my concern, does she lose any endorsements that I'm aware of? Did she lose any endorsements, Chris? No, Nike, uh, Nike actually spoke out in support of her and uh, right. pretty much announced that they're going to uh, keep her as an athlete. Right. So my whole thing is she hasn't lost any endorsements. I don't even I think she might have gained more fans, in my opinion, because of this, because it's like, oh, she smoked a little weed and she was still the fastest. Like, yeah, you know, those type of runarounds, which, you know, to a certain extent it is like it's crazy. But and then when you look at her situation prior to it, I believe she said she did it because her mother passed away. Am I correct, Chris? She said her mother passed away recently and she was using that to deal what happened, Chris? Yeah, that's why she was used as a coping mechanism for it. Right, right, a coping mechanism for it. Now, I could, I'm sure for myself, and I could speak, I'm sure everyone else here in the chat, God forbid, and for the viewers who are listening to us, tuning in to us, if any one of us lose our mothers, how that could deal, I don't know how I could cope with that, but we would still have to cope with that nonetheless. And for someone like her who has a big spotlight on her, and you're going to the biggest stage like the Olympics, and you just lost your mother. The everything's intensified and magnified ten times more. The pressure. Maybe she doesn't feel pressure, but the death of her mother definitely does affect a young woman herself. So you know she did what she did. Maybe the circle around her, the people that surround her. Maybe she has to look at that a little bit more because who advised her on doing it? You know, it all comes back to like you know who's in her circle. Because that's some. You guys don't think that's a big impact in whatever athlete is who their circle is who's talking to them, who's in their ear. So whoever's in their ear who told her, like, yeah, you know, just hit this low. And, you know, all of that played into a factor. So I'm really 50-50 on it. But uh, she shouldn't have did it. But then again, the reason behind it, you know, you can understand and sympathize with her. So watching the Olympics in terms of what Chris said, uh, I probably would not watch the Olympics. But at the same time, it's more so whether or not they have – when it comes to the outdated rules. So that's just my stance on it.
All right, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back with a comment to yours, but before I do that, uh, Mar, I want to get your thoughts on this right now. Um, mainly what everybody else was saying, but you know, I feel like rules are rules, but at the same time, not saying she should just like be the only person that gets a pass, but it's just like there's worse things or there's other things that you could do to your body that people have done to their body. And, you know, they, and they're still treated like champions and they're still praised to this day. So it's just like, I mean, it's crazy. And I mean, she's not the only, like, she's not the only thing in the Olympics that's like going through something. Cause I think they banned like some type of uh, swimming caps for like certain swimmers that had like long braids or something and they wanted to like cover their hair. So, I mean, like they really just attacking, they just really just attacking from all angles at this point, really just trying to take everything out the Olympics that we really stand for or for people to support us. I mean, uh, like, you know, uh, show out for us. So, I mean, like, it's just crazy because there's people like not to be funny or anything, but there's people who run track with fake legs. They got prosthetic legs and she smoked a little weed and she can't run. So, I mean, like, it's, it's just out of pocket. I wouldn't, I, I'm still on the team. I'm still on team. Let her run forever. I mean, I feel like she should still run because it's just like there's no way she's smoking something that's supposed to slow her down. It's just still killing y'all. So it's like, I mean, it's whatever. But Kyla, I mean, Mar, I mean, Mar, I want to ask you, like, just the fact that she she has a substance like THC in her body and she's still outrunning her opponents isn't that doesn't that make her more impressive? Because it's like, wow, that's what I'm saying is like, like that's greatness and. Like I said, there's people that put stuff in their body that's way worse, and they're praised like champions. And she's putting her something in her body that's not enhancing her in any way. So it's just like, I mean, it's crazy. It's out of pocket. Like I said, I'm on team, team, let her run. So that's how I feel about it. And if and I, I probably won't, I won't watch the Olympics this year because of so much that that they're doing, like so much stuff that they're banning. Because they banned the, the uh, Black Lives Matter clothes or like shirts too. So not a great point. I think Chris like, so. It's just like at this point, I'm just I'm just over. It. I'm not even surprised. I respect what I heard. I did like everything. So, um, Kyrie, before I swing it to you, I just wanted to add one thing that I want you to answer along with. The first question. So I'm not sure if you heard it, but an Australian reporter went on Twitter and talked about how Shakara Richardson basically was going to get popped anyways because of her acrylic nails and her flashy hair colors. So, <laughs> I did see that. Right. Okay. So you did. So basically, she was thinking that she was already. You could tell she was on drugs. She already had drugs in her system based on just her apparel, and she compared it to the famous USA track runner from the 1980s, Flojo. So my thought, so my question to you is, outside of the first question, I want you to answer, what are your thoughts on that reporter? And if you could talk to her, if you could just say something to her, what would it be? I'd have, a, like, honestly, a thousand words ran through my mind when I was reading that, when I seen that tweet, because it was just, it was just completely ignorant and just, Ill, like, ill-informed. Like, she made that with, like, with no thought processing whatsoever. Like, I don't understand how a, a woman's nails or her hair can affect her running to the point where it's it's like it's got to be broadcasted like that, or it's got to be it's got to be exposed like that. I'm, I'm guessing, like, or a spotlight has to be brought to it. I feel like it's just another it's just another tactic, or it's just it's just more people piling onto her to, uh, because they want to see her fail, or they don't want to see her succeed. They want to see other people that they that they're rooting for that might that might represent them uh, succeed. So 
yeah, like I'm I'm at a loss for words for that for real, for real. But I do want to answer the other question, um, or just the, the main question in general. I feel like personally it's uh like the Olympic Committee's failing. Because uh, I like the fact that Mar uh, highlighted not only did they ban her for uh, for smoking weed, but they did ban like uh, swimming caps for people with Af like Afrocentric hair, and they did uh, ban Black Lives Matter uh, apparel and stuff like that from being worn on while at the Olympic Games. So they're, they're completely failing. I I feel like black people like black people uh, specifically like they're sing singling. It seems like they're singling a lot of people out right, uh, at this moment. So. Me personally, I feel like it's just a, it's just a failure from the Olympics committee because they have somebody that's being brought and she's and she like her name's been known way before this. I remember seeing highlights of her like years ago throwing up the deuces while she's while she's smoking people, and everybody was excited for this. Everybody was excited to see her run, and just doing this like you, I don't believe I don't know the you already you guys already said it. A lot of you aren't probably going to watch or watch the track events at least because she's not going to be in it. So that's really irresponsible of them from kind of taking that figure to like the black community or to other minorities alike um, down like that over something as literally smoking as weed, where you could have simply, you could have simply gave her uh, theoretically like a slap on the wrist. Like, okay, you just have to, you have to pass your next test in the next couple of days, or you have to write an apology uh, to the committee or whatever, but no suspension, anything. They could have came up with anything, but they decided to ban her for, for the first couple of events. And, and just limit her chances of, of, of achieving greatness and winning medals. I like what I heard. So I just got a couple last points to talk about. So the first thing I don't know if y'all heard is when she did accept her suspension, it's supposed to be for 30 days. So there's reports going around that she might be able to be, compete in the four by 100 women relays at the Olympics, which I hope she does. I hope she gets a chance to do it. Um, if it comes to the Olympics right now, though, I kind of agree with y'all. I, or mostly what Kyrie said, I'm probably not going to watch any track or swimming events per se. I might just watch basketball because I don't know if I can just throw the Olympics as a whole because it's one of the things I always look forward to seeing whenever it comes around, especially the Summer Olympics. So I don't know if I would backlash the whole thing, but those events though, like swimming and track, I I can't definitely watch those anymore as of right now. Um, so since we're finished with that, we're going to transition to the next one, still staying in college a little bit. So as you guys have heard, Finally, about damn time, college athletes will be able to get paid off of merchandise, off of endorsements. They'll be able to make money now to play basketball. And it's taken God knows how long. You've seen the reports, you've seen the people tweet about it, like Reggie Bush now wants his Heisman Trophy back, and he deserves to get it. The Fab Five to get their, um, to get their records back, and they should. So as you see, to be, see I, because of this, um, there's been a lot of news in the um, NCAA with the new NIL rule. So my question to you was this, though. Or actually, I'm going to start with Colin with this one. So as you know, guys like uh, RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball, they started. They both went overseas to play basketball instead of going to the NBA, instead of going to college and then going to the NBA. But they've made good success in Australia, and that's probably the reason why they were lottery picks at last year's draft. So my question to you is this. You think it's already too late that NISA AA implemented this rule? So one thing I would want to say is in regards to that, I feel like I think it's time to give a shout out to the G League. Because I feel like without them pushing and nabbing some of the, the big time recruits that they that they recruited, 
I don't think we probably been delayed a couple more years. I feel like the G League is just a threat now. I think two of the prospects are they're primed to go into the lottery. If I'm not mistaken, Jalen Green, everyone knows he's the top three, top two pick in the draft. Could potentially be number one. There's some rumblings about that. But that has yet to be seen. Today is still the number one. We'll get to that in another episode. Uh, I think it's long, long overdue. That's an understatement. I mean, how long has the NCAA uh, existed for? Like, you guys know? Because, like, how long has the NCAA been up for? And we're now, like, prior great, great, great grandfathers, right? So it's like, you know. I mean, to finally sit there and say it's some progression after how many years? Eh, it's kind of like a bittersweet feeling. But, you know, at least we're here now. So now what does it change for, like, in terms of recruiting for the other programs in the league? Do you guys think the G League is, is still is not that of a fierce competition, but do you feel like college basketball has finally gotten back and the nabbing these recruits? Because in my opinion, I think the only schools that benefit from this is the, is the Blue Bloods. Or you can say the big time, the big time schools like UCLA, Kentucky, Duke, you know, Arizona, Michigan. I'm not gonna forget your team, Chris. I ain't forget your team, Michigan, Syracuse, you know, so it really it benefits a lot of the schools because now it's like, hey, you could play for our school, our you know, our biggest stage, possibly go to the tournament because they guys they usually bring in great teams every single year, and you can make money, obviously. Not everyone's gonna get the same type of, you know, endorsements, et cetera. So, but that could be used as motivation for the player that's on the bench, you know. So I think uh, it's about time. I think some of the former athletes who've been cheated out because you know receiving money for whatever reason, you gotta understand some of these guys come from uh, less fortunate situations. Whether it's their mom, father, they don't have a two-parent household, uh, they live in the hood, et cetera. So you know that money. Could have been helped to paying bills and et cetera like that. So it's about time these guys get paid for what they, you know, they've been doing for so long. So I'm 100% agreed with it. Uh, long, long overdue, but it's finally here, so I can't complain. So with that being said, do you think, Colin, I'm still on you. With that being said, do you think it's too late in NCAA initiate this rule, knowing that these high-ranked athletes now have different routes to get to the NBA that doesn't include college? Honestly speaking, I would say it depends on the college because if you look at it, for, for instance, let's say a recruit and say it's a spot available for them to go to a Kentucky or Duke, rather it's compared to a G League. I think that's pretty – that would still be a tough uh, choice for the recruit. That said, a recruit, you know, respectively, it could be, you know, a situational, situational thing. So Kentucky is still a brand itself. Duke is still a brand itself. That's something I don't think – the G League will probably be able to ever catch up. Maybe after a couple, maybe after 15, 20 years, it builds itself to that point. But now, brand-wise, it's still college basketball. So I, it's really, it's a tough, I can't say. It's like 50-50. It depends on the recruit. All right. So I'm going to swing over to Greg now. Um, what do you think about the release you initiated? And do you feel as though it's already too late knowing that these that these high, high school prospects now have different routes to get to the NBA that doesn't involve them having to go to a college. Yeah, I mean, I think with like Colin has kind of touched on, like really um, did a good job summarizing it. I think they it was more reactionary instead of it was more reactionary instead of um, like taking like, 
like reacting to how everything is changing around them as opposed to them really wanting to do it. I think at the end of the day, the people that lead these organizations are like predominantly white men that are only concerned with like their bottom line. And so they were cool with giving, like like taking, making like how much from March Madness and the NCAA and the college football tournament, but not giving the actual players, justifying it by saying we're giving them scholarship. Like, you know what I'm saying? And like only when people like LaMelo or people like Jalen Green show that there's another path and are successful in it, that's when they want to like pretend like they care, but they don't really care. They just want to make sure they want to, because they know that it's good. It could open up a Pandora's box. Um, could you, what was the second half of the question? Again? I was, the second half was, do you think it's already too late that the NCAA initiated this rule? I do. I do think it, I mean, I don't think it's, well, it's too late in terms of like the big stars, but there's always going to be with college athletes come like there's always going to be like marquee matchups and there's always going to be people who take center stage and those people, even though it may not be the top talent as much anymore. Like when March Madness still comes, there's going to be a player that you watch that goes off and that player is going to get not, not only a lot more visibility, but he's also going to get a lot more dollars thrown his way as a result of all that publicity that he's getting. So I think it's not too late, but like, I think you might've, they might've already burned bridges with some of the top stars, but to think that like, like, like uh, Colin was saying, like the blue bloods and stuff like that, and even like the local schools, they're going to get more taken. They're going to get more, more shine, especially if they get more TV time. Okay. I like what I heard in that. Uh, so Kyrie, um, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Um, I'm actually, I'm really happy that they actually passed uh, this NIL bill to allow players to capitalize off their names, uh, image, and likenesses. When I think about this, though, I think about guys uh, that played collegially in the past, like Shabazz Napier talking about having to um, go to his dorm room to no food after a championship game and go to bed, or the night before a championship game and go to bed uh, hungry. Thinking about guys like Arian Foster, who while playing at Tennessee, said that uh, – after after games, sometimes he would have to go against NCAA rules and ask his coach to buy him food because he didn't have any. And I also think about guys like the U like the UCF kicker a few years ago who got kicked off the team because he was making money off of his YouTube account, which was completely outside of football and it made no sense. So I'm happy something like this like came into effect, and I don't think it's too late because uh, I think there is like a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of like young men and women out there. That's like that generally do want to go to college and, and receive an education. And just and by them doing this, mainly because it pertains to basketball, by them doing this, they are able to rival a little bit better to the G League or to the to the um other like the overseas leagues, like the NBL or like the uh the uh Italian leagues and stuff like that. So I think they're able to rival them now because uh it, it, it incentivizes the, I guess, that path a little bit more. They know that they're still going to be able to grow, like as people, as basketball players, but still make money on the side as well and still sign endorsements before even going into the NBA. So I don't think it's too late. I think the NCAA actually made, like, pick the perfect time to finally do this because there's not a lot of other teams, like, leagues around, like, saying football or baseball and soccer that have, like, a minor league system like the NBA does, which is, which specializes in putting guys at the next level. So I think I, this is really – I feel like this is really good for both ends. Uh, all right. I, I like that. All right, so, Mar, um, before you answer the question, I just wanted to let you know. So 
if you've seen any clips of him on YouTube, on social media, wherever, as y'all know, five-star center Jalen Duran recently um, listed his top five schools or places he would want to go play. And two of those places was the NBA G League and the NBA. So outside of that answering, do you think that it's too late? Do you see a pattern of high prospects really strongly considering going elsewhere outside of college as well? Joking to me, Vert. Yes, sure am. Of course. Of course. Because even before they were getting paid, it was, that was still an option. So, I mean, I really – I don't think this is going to change people's idea that I want to go straight to the league. I just think this is going to change people's ideas that are, like, that have to go to college or that are just going to choose to go to college. If you want to go straight to the league or you want to take – like, you want to take that jump, I don't think that's going to stop anybody. I really don't. And – well, yeah, I'm going to just answer that question. You want me to uh, continue? Yeah, you're going to go ahead. And um, my bad. what was the other question? The other question was, I was talking about um, Jalen Duran, a five-star prospect for next year. When he listed his top five, he included the NBA G League and the um, NBL in there. So do you believe that you'll see a pattern of people, of high, pro- high school prospects, uh, considering those decisions as well, outside of um, going to college? That, that or overseas, because that or overseas mainly, because why would they still want to go to college? It's, it's just like, well, I feel I mean, like, like, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's like, it's me personally speaking, I in terms of like a professional, in terms of like branding and exposure and everything above is really no other place like college basketball unless you're like a self-made brand yourself like LaMelo because of his dad and his older brother, you know? And then not only that, with Jalen Duran, I want to time to touch on the Jalen Duran. And that's something I think uh, the rest of you guys, you know, especially Kyrie can still keep tabs on. Uh, for him as a particular prospect, three of the, you know, his top five choices were still college because at the end of the day, when it comes to now it's like the money, and he's reportedly made it clear money isn't an issue for him. Like, money is not because at the end of the day, he knows his skills, he can get that money later. It's about his long term development, which a lot of these prospects, some of them don't have that foresight as you know, as Jalen Duran do. So, definitely a shout out to him as, a, as an athlete with his mind. But at the same time, three of those brands, if you look at it, Kentucky, like I said, does the G League have more pull and can it? Is it is it a brand itself at this point in stage? No, it's not. It can't compare it to a Kentucky, can't compare it to a Duke, UCLA, Arizona. It just can't compare to it. It might be probably one of the smaller D1 schools, like, I guess, Temple, you know, like, you know, those schools. But, yeah, it's still – it's pull in itself. And what it can do, like Kaday Cunningham, they had him being in, like, in the 6 to 10 range, 5 to 7 range, and he had a great college season. Now he's just locked for this number one pick. You know, college does a lot for you. So, like I said, but it's nothing against it. The only issue with college was the knock on of this, the money, the financial aspect of it, which they seemingly, it seems to be cleared up now. So we have yet to see. And like Chris said, how long it maintains. That's another key part. So we have yet to, you know, wait and see on that. But Colin, what I was saying, what I was saying was you don't really like, the only thing college really has now is the money and the education because the way social media runs, you you can get branded while you're still in high school. 
Like you can you can develop oh, that, that in high school. So college isn't really like college is more for like getting paid and education at this point because social media is just like everywhere. So like like Zion, I guarantee you he was talking to Jordan before he even before he got to college. Like you like it's just it's just I feel like at this point the way social media is going around and buzzing at this point, they were like, we might as well just start paying players because this is how we're seeing players now. Anyway, we're seeing them on social media. We're seeing them doing this and this and that everywhere else. So I think at this point they chose to pay them because they know what helped them throughout. So at this point, I just think like Kyrie was saying is like for those players that couldn't eat, it's just for those players and for the ones that want to, uh, you know, be good long-term with their education. Like you were also saying, so I just, I just feel like it's it's for the pickers and the choosers. But if people want to take that leap, I don't know really anything is going to stop them. Hold on, hold on. Can I can I can I piggyback because y'all both are making some great points, but I kind of wanted to throw something in there as far as that. Yeah. So yeah, sure can. I feel like uh, I feel like college is. So I, I definitely see where where you guys are both coming from, but I feel like the college route is going to start being like a little more glamorized now. One, not because not because they're going to be able to make money, not be, and not only because there is like a, there is a certain factor there when it comes to branding. If you go to like a like a school, say, like as, well, I'm, for college football, a school like that would be Alabama, where there's no other pro sports teams, and like that that fan base kind of, kind of rally, uh, rallies around around you, and that goes with you for like the rest of your career. So that's something like like a lot of people can can, I guess, take in consideration when it comes down to like that college decision. But another thing is also that safety net of the, like those years of eligibility. What I wonder what I, when I think of that, I wonder what would have happened, say, LaMelo Ball in his one year over in Australia. Hypothetically, let's say he tore his ACL was, and was out for the season. How would that like how hard, I feel like that would have impacted his draft stock a lot harder compared to him being in college and, and something like that happening. And you have another year of eligibility, you can register and come back for another year. Whereas it, I feel like I don't know the situation too much about that with, with like with overseas teams or with the G League, if it's just a one year and done thing. So I feel like college still provides that safety net. And at the same time, for those players that are, are coming from like underprivileged backgrounds, that safety net can help them out because they're still getting paid along the way and they still have those years of eligibility. And to and they're still able to get that education if that pro route or that window for for that pro route is 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 getting smaller for them depending on how their career is going. So I feel like college, I feel like college is now that they're now that they're playing people. Yeah, that's a like that's a plus. But I still feel like it's like it's going to glorify the fact that it's a safety net also for players that have like different paths uh, like going towards their their professional careers. Well, I mean, so so this is what I want to. So actually, all right, and I, I I see your points. I see your reasoning. Actually, I want to ask Greg because Greg, you know, he graduated from Villanova. Villanova, I'm sure many of you guys who who may not know, Villanova won two championships in the last decade. So, Greg, and those that atmosphere, that experience, did you go? Did you happen to go to both those games, or was it just one game you went to the title of? Uh well both games were in San Antonio and oh boy, so you was just your boy yeah your right. boy was a book boy so I, I was at the club but I, and I was a I was a senior in high school when they won the first John and my freshman uh, when they won the second John so uh yeah so I was on campus for the second I was on campus for the second one but 
Um, well, all right. Well, either way, just even if you wasn't there, just the atmosphere of that, the the fans, twenty thousand something fans, or I don't know how many fans are in college basketball, like you know they allow in their seats, but just you know it's usually packed up regarding any type of big event that happens in college basketball, especially March Madness and et cetera. I don't think that's something the G League or these overtime leagues or all these new leagues that have t- like maybe not now, maybe given within ten. 10 plus years, they might be able to get to that point. But I still think now, I feel like, because LaMelo, it just depends. Like Mars said, it's really a situation by situational thing. Like LaMelo just didn't want to go to school, period. Like college just didn't interest him. Lonzo Ball even said it before he went to UCLA. Like he wasn't interested in going to UCLA. Like some people just aren't interested in college. They just reject the whole notion of college, which is fine to each and their own. I'm not knocking that. But some people, even if despite the fact they reject college, they still look at it because at the end of the day, what it could do for like Mars said, social media, yes, it well, social media now, it is a, you practically have a brand for yourself, right? But there's also levels to this, you know, because how many athletes, like high school ball athletes, have that type of exposure, like a Zion or uh or or Amani Bates. You know, you don't it's levels to the exposure. So yes, they have that great exposure, but that that branding, that social media image doesn't necessarily help on its own when it turns it in terms of them getting to the A. It's more like getting offers, recruitments before going to that next step, which is so crucial. So once again, when I say I feel like and not to not to like put down the G League or any of those leagues, because like I said, right now we're still in this like infancy stage. The G League was made last year, two years ago, I believe. Uh Kyrie, was it made last year or two years ago? Uh last year. Right, is it's still in this infancy stage, right? So, like, is so it's easy to kick it down now because that's why that's why I'm talking like this. But I don't, I do believe in the next 10, 15 plus years, the G League could be something like, hey, the yeah, yeah, like the first five, the first ten recruits of the class, they might just say, yeah, we're going to the G League, you know. But that's just we have yet to see for that. But as of now, college still has its pull because once again, the recruit looks at the brand of a college, and you look at a G League, which doesn't have any stable footing yet, and it's just like, well, it's still a hard, it's not like a definite guarantee oh, I'm going overseas. It's still a, a battle. It's still a choice. I'm sure like Jalen Duran, he's going to probably drag this decision out probably until the end of summer uh, or, you know, around the fall if he does, but it's still a tough decision regardless. But long overdue. It's finally done, so I can't complain too much. Um, I personally just think that, like, there's also, like, you have to keep in mind how many people actually, like, we're talking about all these people, like, Money Bates and all that stuff, but, like, those people, like, we know going in, they have a strong chance of making it to the NFL and the NBA, but, like, there are, are, are only a small portion of, like, I think, like, less than 1% or, like, some small number of people that play college sports, play, um, play uh, like, professional sports. So some people know that when right. they get that 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 when they get that scholarship to go to college, that's most likely their last opportunity. That's probably, probably most likely going in. That's most likely going to be their last opportunity to really just play the sport that they love. And now they're going to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to pay money for it, so they, to to get paid for their services. So like for instance, like Shabazz Napier, I don't always think we always knew Shabazz Napier was going was going to. I don't know if well. Shabazz Napier might be another case, but I was going to say for Shabazz Napier, I think we could say that Shabazz Napier has way more of a more relevant in pop culture 
feel like it's been, it was more relevant in college than he necessarily was in the NBA. And so, like, think about how much money he could have made. Like, there's just some people that peak in college and may go to the league, and there's some people that peak in college and never make it to the league. And now they have the opportunity to maximize on their value where at their peak as opposed to trying to maximize their peak just to make it to the next level where they won't necessarily have as high of a peak. So people, like it's always going to be alluring to people because then they'll, they'll be able to do that and get on primetime television and get endorsements and get a quality education at like a pretty good school. That sounds okay. No, that's actually a great point. Like the athletes, you know, like Greg said. So yeah, I think college. Well, I mean, with Greg's point, I mean, I think I'm kind of leaning towards you know whether a recruit looks at college. But like I said, that's just an added bonus. It, honestly speaking, it's only going to help college basketball and the brands that are currently like the college that already has self like great brands in themselves, like the Kentucky or Duke. So they'll obviously benefit from this the most, more so Duke, I'm more so Kentucky because, you know, Coach K, you know, he's down. So the recruitment battles, I mean, John Calipari is the best recruiter. So just to put that out there. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to transition to our last topic. We're going to get some NBA now. So as everybody knows, the NBA playoffs is down to its final round, and that's the NBA Finals. We got the Milwaukee Bucks out of the Eastern Conference against the Phoenix Suns out of the Western Conference. Now, before I swing it to y'all, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. I don't even feel like watching this, watching this NBA Finals. Mostly because the players oh, to me this entire time have not been good. I have not enjoyed mm-hmm. it as a fan, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if I want to watch the NBA Finals. If I had mm-hmm. to pick who I think would win, whether Giannis is healthy or not, I'm going Suns and seven. Whether Giannis is healthy or not, I really don't think it matters at this point. But... Mm-hmm. With that being said, again, as an NBA fan, I am not like this playoffs. Just the amount of injuries, the amount of blowouts. It was just terrible. And while I'm happy for Chris Paul finally making it to his first finals, I, I, I don't even care if he wins or not at this point. But I don't even want to watch it. That's just why I'm So, with that being said, I'm going to go to Mar first. Mar, who is going to be the X Factor in this final series? The X Factor is going to be DeAndre Aiden. Um, going with DeAndre Ayton because throughout the playoffs, he's shown that he can be that big man that they were looking for when they drafted him. He's like, he's showing he's actually progressing. He's actually showing he can give you 25 and 13 if he, if he wants to, if he, if he really, if he really has his mind on it that night. So I think he's going to be the X factor and mainly because if, if Brooke Lopez is shooting, then DeAndre Ayton is going to have to be scoring and he's going to have to find a way to be down there getting rebounds and, you know, have, and, you know, be uh going out to Brook Lopez at the three. So I, just like how Rudy Gobert was the X factor in the jazz, you know, same thing was happening to him. He was being drunk. He was being out the paint because the Clippers were running small ball. So I feel like the same thing is going to be going on here, but Brook Lopez doesn't shoot as good as anybody on the Clippers. So I really think the X factor is going to be DeAndre Aiden. All right, cool. Now, Kyrie, I'm coming to you. So, um, when we look at Milwaukee, we all know about Giannis. We all know he has a hyperextended knee. And as of right now, there isn't a timetable on when he'll return. I don't even know if he's going to play tomorrow night or at all in this final series. So, do you think that even without Giannis, the Bucks still have enough to be able to beat this Suns team? 
No, and it's simply because I don't trust Chris Middleton like on a full time basis as being their their top guy. He's shown like some glimpses throughout the playoff uh, throughout the playoffs where Giannis disappeared, or even when uh, these past couple of games when Giannis was out, that he could take over some games and he could close out for him. But in a seven game series against a Suns team like this, that's fully healthy and that's trying to get Chris Paul his first title. They're trying to get DeAndre A and Endeavor Booker. They're they're like the two faces of their young core, their first title. I don't think he he has it in him to compete with them by himself and will them to wins by himself um, in a seven-game series with this team. All right, cool. So now I got to win the grade because, you know, you, you're the Chris Middleton fan. And I ain't going to hand your boy. He In a couple games, he showed out as he should. So now that he is the number one option while Giannis is out, do you think he has what it takes to beat this team? Do you think he will improve himself or play it at a superstar level to – even if not beat, at least hang with the team. I'll say that. Um, I do. I think that um, – I think it re- the really – like, I could see why Chris Middleton would struggle because if – because he's they're, they're probably going to throw a lot of bodies at him from um, – what's the boy name? From uh, Jay Crowder to, like, M- Mikael Bridges. Like, they're going to try to throw multiple bodies at him because they know he's supposed to be the primary scorer, and if they can stop him – and that typically means that the the Bucks offense isn't running like effectively. So I would say, I would say out of the if they play all seven games, I think Chris Middleton show outs shows out for like five of the seven. And I could see somewhere at home, somewhere within the first two games, because I think the Suns have home court advantage if memory serves me correct. So if the Suns, the first two with within the first two games, Chris Middleton is going to struggle either game one or game two. And then we're gonna strike. We're gonna question whether Chris Middleton can step up. And when he goes back to the Milwaukee in games three and four, he's gonna show out. But the question is whether it's still gonna be a series at that point or not. Even if he shows out, because another wild card that we don't, I think that we need to take into consideration is Drew Holiday. When that brother Drew Holiday is settling for jump shots, I'm not gonna lie to you. In that in that net series, his stat numbers were crazy. So it like crazy bad. Like he'll go like five for twenty three and it take like seven step back threes and swear they were money, but like would not make any of it. So I think as as much as Chris Middleton is important, Chris Middleton and, and Chris Middleton sets the tone when the entire team is struggling. Uh, I don't think he gets the team like sets up the team offense as well as Drew Holiday does. Um, so I think Chris Middleton can give you five games of solid production. But the difference between the Milwaukee Bucks pushing it to seven on top of those good performances for Milton is Drew Holiday getting everybody else involved. When he's setting up throwing lobs to to uh to Brooke Lopez or he's able to hit those threes and stuff like that or get everybody else involved, he they're like that team is on on another level. Okay. I like everything that I heard from you. So now Colin, I asked Lamar basically what the X Factor was. He gave me the X Factor for the Suns. So for you. With or without Giannis, I don't care if he's playing or not, who do you think has to be the X factor for the Bucs? Who do you think needs to step up in every single game for the Bucs to have a chance? I think it's the lead guard. You know, I think Drew Holiday has to be the one to step up, you know. Uh, what would you guys describe Drew Holiday's playing in the playoffs before I continue? How would you describe his play in the playoffs so far? You he think he was a nice addition for the Bucs? He's shown at times to be a really good addition to the Bucs and to be the main reason why they're even in the finals, like through right. his defense, his leadership, his uh, like his capabilities as a scorer, uh, as a scorer in spurts. But there's been some times where he's been wildly inconsistent and didn't seem like 
100% locked into the game. So uh, to me, like his, his playoff performance has been kind of sporadic. I want to say disappointing or underwhelming, just sporadic. And I, I just want to see a little more consistency out of it. Okay, so basically it's, it's the same around the train, the same line of thoughts I was stating about Drew Holiday. But that's why, in my opinion, Drew Holiday has to be consistent every single game for the whole 40 minutes, 48 minutes. And he has to play superb. Obviously, the Greek freak, we don't know how long he's out. Do we know how long he's going to be out for the injury? Is it the, the no, whole finals? I think, I think they're taking it like on a game-by-game basis. Game by game, baiting this well. Since it's the finals, they're probably going to, which I don't think they should, but they'll probably try to bring him back as quick as possible, which you got to look at long term instead of short term. But then at the same time, if you look at it from that standpoint, if the Bucks don't clinch this chance, when do they get another opportunity to go back to this stage? Because I don't know if they're going to be able to get back, same as the Suns. These two teams here in the finals, we don't know if they're ever going to get back to the finals or not. So this is really both their Possibly the only chances, you know, for now. But I'm going to stick with Drew Holiday because I've seen what Drew Holiday's done on each team. From the Sixers, he was an all-star to when he became a Pelicans guard. He became well. He averaged 21 and 8. He shot, I think, at least above 800 from the free throw line. And he stepped up on every team he's played for. So now he's never been to a stage like this. So he's the X factor, and I'm waiting to see what he does. But he knows what he has to do to keep this team afloat and possibly win the NBA championship, especially on the defensive end. I think he's a great matchup for Chris Paul. He's not going to shut Chris Paul down, but it's definitely he's got the size and length so he could be up there with him. He's definitely not slow at all. Many people mistake for him to be slow. He's very quick-footed. he got strength, muscle on him, so he could definitely muscle through the screens. I think Drew Holiday is the big factor for the Bucs in overcoming this. I'm still rooting for the Suns to win. I want Chris Paul to get that for the ship. All right, so now before I – no, stay on you. Who wins? How many games? Who wins? Suns in seven. I generally think Suns wins in seven. It's going. It's a, this is going to be a tough matchup, Chris. Honestly speaking, it might not be as entertaining, but it is. It, I feel like it's going to be a tough matchup. If it's entertaining, it' gonna be tough. Then Kyrie, who you got? Um, yo, Suns they let me down all playoffs. I got them at six. That's because right, Kyrie. You know why? That's because they play other teams. Right. <laughs> Uh, I got, I got, uh, I got Suns and six. All right, cool. Mar, how many games? Uh, seven. Phoenix. Like I said, they've been beating, they've been beating up on teams that've been injured. I ain't gonna stop yet. Why, why stop now? Let's go. Why don't I watch it? <laughs> the Valley. Yo, I honestly, with everything in me, I wanted to see Phoenix play Atlanta in the finals. Really? That was I really, what, wanted, I, was, I really wanted to see that. I think that'd have been more entertaining though. I'm not gonna lie to you. Because you had two high scoring guards with a great balance of defense and offense for both Bucks teams. Are just a, the Bucks are just a boring team in my personal opinion. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought that was your like, team, Greg. You voted for them the whole no, series. Don't get, the season. don't get me wrong. I I mean I, they are the, they are the most talented team. He loves them. Some Bucks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but watching but watching so, but watching the Bucks play offense times is like some of the most infuriating things to watch. Like you could watch Giannis could, Giannis could play, Giannis could play like some of the best. Like he could like get ten points in a the lane, then come down for three straight possessions and take jump shots. And you like Giannis? Why would you do that? Like Drew Holiday is shooting one from seven from this three three point line, doing 
all step back three, but he's money in the lane, but he don't want to go to the lane. He just want to take that step back three. I'm like, yo, bro, come on. Like, like, so I, I, I can't stand watching, but I can't stand watching them play. But like when they put it together, it's nice, but they just don't put it together consistently enough. I don't trust, I don't, and especially the coaching. One thing the big factor for me was the coaches, Monty Williams. I think he's more of a factor for the Suns because of his strategies and how, like, he's been phenomenal throughout the whole playoffs. Yes, he beat some injured teams. No one's going to discredit that. But if we all forget, last year the Warriors were injured and the Raptors won. No one believed the Raptors would have won that series if the, the Warriors squad was completely healthy. I don't know if any of you guys think otherwise. Do you guys feel otherwise? Oh, okay. So just want to throw that out there. So, but then again, Monty Williams as a coach for the Suns, he's been phenomenal when it turns to making adjustments. Whether there was a, I think the Hawks, no, not the Hawks, excuse me. I think when the Suns, uh, it was a time where I think, I think, who who would the Suns play? I think it was the second round. Who they played the second round? I can't believe I forgot. Nuggets. The Nuggets. The Nuggets, the Nuggets had went on like a 10, 15 point run, and Monty Williams called a timeout, readjusted the defense again and everything, and he, like, I've seen him do it throughout the playoffs consistently, so I think, you know, he's just as effective for the Suns winning as much as, uh, you know, as a coach, as a coach should be. So, I'm definitely rooting for the Suns. Coaching-wise, they got it. Players, bench, great balance of offensive defense. I don't see why, you know, you don't pick the Suns. I, I pick, everybody picks the Suns because they're healthy. That's that's why I picked the Suns. Well, I mean, I would have picked the Suns regardless if the Greek Freak was healthy or not, in my opinion. Because, like I said, the reasons I stated before, I would still pick the Suns. Obviously, it's a challenge with the Greek Freak, but I would still pick the Suns. If anything, instead of six games, it would have been seven games. So, I think the seventh game would be at the Suns' home or at the Bucks' home. Who's, who's, who's at home for the seventh if it does ever get to that point? I think it's the Suns. Yeah, the Suns at home. Game seven, Suns at home. Yeah, I think they knocked that out. I think they knocked it out in the play. I, I'm not going. I can't. I'm not going to be honest right now. Even if Chris Paul was this, it's a shady trip. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, for Chris Paul, it's not because he he, he struggled so long, like so long, so long, so long. Chris Paul should have had I, – I always, I always looked at it like this. I think Kyrie, me and Kyrie talked about it. I said – if Chris Paul retires from the league without a championship, I blame David Stern for it because he had a chance to win it back in 2011. No, after the 2011 season when they could have sent Chris Paul to the Lakers. That's yeah. one year. Imagine. You're going to blame one year on him never winning a ring. One year. CP3 and Kobe? What? And they could have Pau Gasol? Pau Gasol was still in the Gasol's a part of that trade. Oh, Gasol was a part of that trade? Yeah, he was going to like the Rockets or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a part and of that then, trade. And then Lamar yes. Odom was supposed to go to like the Hornets. A part of that wow. trade. So I'll I know, I, I knew, I knew they would have traded Lamar Odom. I didn't you see the Paul Gasol would have been implementing that trade too. Oh, so it would have been Kobe, Paul, and the Lakers. And you think they're going? <laughs> Kobe, Paul, and the Lakers. Man, you feeling like, in that year for him not winning? Won. That'd be the well, third guy. Every, that, that'd be. Mm, I apologize maybe, for that. Maybe it was. Kobe, Paul, and when Howard came over, maybe you got a shot. And Howard doesn't. Oh, oh man, I forgot Dwight Howard. Well, I mean, if Chris Paul's, nah, I don't know. I can't say that. I don't know. How would that Lakers team fare to you guys if it was Chris Paul, Kobe, and Dwight? How would that Lakers team fare to you guys? They would, if Dwight Howard's healthy, they're contenders. 
If he's not healthy, okay. he ain't winning nothing. All right, that's fair. I don't that's even fair. think it's I don't even think it's a matter of him being healthy. It's him being fully locked in with guys like Kobe and Chris Paul on your back every day. I don't I mean, know how he he would he would stand under that. I see what you're saying, but at the same time, even though in the first round series when they got swept, he was still he was still cooking the Spurs. He, he was still dominant. Yeah. I feel like even with his goofy personality, I feel like when it mattered, he would have locked in, especially at that time, because it was still young athletic. Well, sup well, right before injury prone's wife. Right. Yeah, it was right before Andrew Crumbs. His goofy personality got him to the final before with the magic. Mm, Chris, let's go. I'm still, I still think it that wouldn't work. it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked, Mark. You just shut it, it down work. completely now. I don't, I don't think he would have messed with Chris. I don't think Chris Paul and Kobe, the type of, the type of competitors they are, yeah, you like, bring over a guy like Dwight Howard, who I feel like, but I look at it instead of just Kobe. Now you added CP3 to it. Now it's got influence and change. Yeah, because CP3, especially he's playing the whole year. It's like it's like it's crazy. So like their worth, their worth ethic, their competitiveness, and his type of personality. I mean, like yeah, you can get on the court and you know try to switch in the game mode, but they're they're them walking into the into the arena. They're already locked in. They're not playing no games. So exactly. like you're you're trying to play catch up when they're already in this different mentality than you, and they're on a high like mm. you can't just catch up to Kobe and Chris Paul when it comes to a mentality. You don't just step on the court. You gotta you feel me? Like I don't think it would work just because of that. Okay. Y'all not wrong. Yeah. I, I feel as though at that time it's still somewhat healthy Dwight, and if he doesn't have the back injuries, he's still defensive player of the year caliber Dwight, and we all know that Dwight was something different. Yeah, he was. He was an animal. Yeah, he was an animal. Remember, he was going with the Magic team that really didn't have – well, I'm not going to say they had players. That really didn't have – well, I can't even say All-Star either because – he, he didn't have a second superstar. I guess he don't – some people say Hedo Turkoglu was his co-superstar. No, Hedo Turkoglu was not his co-superstar. Rashard Lewis or Jameer Nelson was his closest thing. It was definitely Jameer. It was Jameer Nelson. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Rashard, stop it. He, he was a, he was a good no, point listen, guard. I, I see where Greg is. That's why I threw Jameer oh, Nelson's name nah, in there because their, was their basketball IQ together and their chemistry was was, 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 was a good point guard. Kyrie, when he when Jameer Nelson left the Magic, what did he do? Just let me know. Ah, uh, he went the okay. Here, no, here's, okay, no, no. And here's what I'm saying though: you could be the number two on a team for a specific team, but the not the number two anywhere else. What we're saying is the chemistry with Jameer Nelson and Dwight Howard, I thought was always very good. But there isn't no, I'm, I'm not degrading Jameer Nelson. He was above average point guard. He was a he was a he was above average point guard. But he was, a, he, he was a huge reason for their success, though. Cole yeah. superstar? Their second? I don't know. Is Richard was it Richard Lewis an all star at one season? I, I think. Oh no, I don't think he was. I don't think he was an all star with the Magic. He, was he wasn't. Oh. What'd you say, Chris? I'm saying cool superstar. Like everybody else was a superstar on their team. Oh well. Oh, well, who star work getting used a little too freely right now? All right, yeah. so who? Okay, all right. Let Let's say like, we're talking about the white being like the main piece. We're just, like exactly like, who, like the white. Is who 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 was Dwight Howard's uh Robin? Who was Dwight Howard's Robin? Jameer did make an All Star game in '09. Jameer made an All Star game. Oh, he did make an All Star game. He did. He did. Give me the All Star game. Oh, all right. Well, I mm, Jameer Nelson though. I feel like with Magic had some pieces though. There wasn't no scrubs like the old seven Cavs. 
Like, they had some pieces. They had legitimate pieces. The 07 Cavs, a team that was really just LeBron, and then who was his co-support after that? Mo uh, Williams. Uh, Mo Williams did. Mo, Mo <laughs> Williams was a bucket. Mo Williams was a bucket, though. He was. No, man. That's, that's, that's not acceptable. That's <laughs> no. not acceptable. I mean, Mo Williams did drop 50 in the game one time. What? Yeah, he was he was the best player on the Cavs at that point. <laughs> or, or the Timberwolves, which it was one of them teams. Right. I'm not I'm not even debating whether Mo Williams is unacceptable. I'm just saying he did drop fifty in the game. I'm just throwing that in that stat. I'm not trying to say nothing about Mo Williams that Bro, I don't know. When you threw in that stat, seems like you was advocating for him. Like, hey, no, 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 no. I I saw Mo Williams play. Um, Corey Drew, <laughs> Corey Brewer dropped fifty points in the game. What's your point? Corey Brewer, thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Every dog has his day. That's all Every dog has his day. All right, let's edit off. Let's edit off with that. Uh, thanks a lot for everyone tuning in for episode 43 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I want to give a big shout out for Chris hosting this particular episode. Thanks a lot, Chris. Did a phenomenal job. Thanks a lot to Kyrie, Mar, and Greg. You guys brought the energy, a lot of facts. It was good to base. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Hopefully, the fans viewing this, they really enjoy it too. You can follow us on Instagram at Restricted Zone Pod. We will upload uh, the episode on, on Instagram later on this week. You can follow us on Apple for streaming uh, purposes only, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of other streaming platforms. You can also tune in and view us too. So, thanks a lot. We'll be more consistent, and we really appreciate you guys. Have a blessed day.